Peace.
and good evening, Mosaic. You can take a seat. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. Hey, guys, I am the congregational leader for Celebrate Recovery here at Fellowship, and I'm just honored that uh, we have such a wonderful partnership with this great body, Mosaic. Uh, if we really believe that the church is not a hotel for the healthy, that it, it, that it truly is a hospital for the sick, I'm grateful that this is a safe place to come in with our brokenness, but I'm grateful that we're not afraid to use the wing of the hospital that is Celebrate Recovery. And uh, just so grateful. Many of you have been through Celebrate Recovery, and we just love that you're part of our family, and we just always like to remind you that we're here. And we'd love to invite you anytime on a Friday night at 7 o'clock uh, right here at Fellowship. Uh, but thank you guys for how you love and support and pray for the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. We couldn't uh, do it without you. But hey, got a couple things I want to let you know of uh, to make you aware of. Uh, next week, we have a change in the second service. It's a time change, so make a note of that. If you need more information, as always, you can uh, scan that uh, QR code so you can see that on the screen there. Don't forget 6.30. That starts next Saturday. The next thing is promotion night for our kids. Uh, that, that's also next week, so make sure if you have children that are in the kids' area that you're aware of that, that they're going to be in a different spot, and, and uh, just uh, be aware of that. Again, if you need more information on that, just scan that QR code or go to our website, and uh, you can find out some more information about that. Uh, we have some women's fall studies happening. Uh, I think they're studying Ruth, I believe. So if you're interested in that, starting uh, Wednesday, September 8th, if you'll scan that uh, QR code, go to our website, you can sign up. Uh, ladies, you can be a part of that and have a rich time with other Mosaic women and getting into God's Word together. So check that out. And hey, this is always a need in our, in our children's ministry uh, I love that, that we have this vision as a church to really pour into our kids and really help them to be fed with God's word and truth and filled with hope so that they're equipped to face the chaos and the craziness of this world that we live in. And so, But we're always looking for, for help uh, here at Mosaic. And so if you have a heart for kids, or maybe you, maybe you need to pray about that and ask God about that, and if he's tapping you on the shoulder... There's nothing better than the body of Christ pouring back into our kids and taking turns on that so that we can uh, meet those needs. So you see the information on there. There's some people that you can contact uh, to be a part of that to help uh, fill those gaps so that we don't have to turn any kids away and say no. That breaks my heart to think that we have to say no, we don't have any more room because we don't have the leadership to do that. So let's, as a body, uh, embrace that, if we will. Hey, Mosaic is about life change. And I love the expressions of life change here that we see in so many forms. But one of the most exciting ones that gets us excited and cheering and yelling in our seats as a body is when we get to witness a baptism. You guys excited about baptisms? All right. Matt Newman has got a big baptism tonight. Come on up, Matt. Hey, hi, everybody. Wow, that was just average for my first time back in six weeks. If I haven't met you before, my name is Matt. I was part of the Samaritan Church Springdale plant team. And the first time back in six weeks, how are you? Thank you, thank you. It is so good to see you. Hello for my Marshallese friends that are in the house tonight, Yahweh. 
so glad you're here. How are you? Thank you. Wonderful. Hey, tonight is so meaningful, so special. It, it has nothing to do with what God is doing in Samaritan Rogers Springdale. That's for another day. It's what God has done in one of my favorite people, Mia Tibbin. Uh, if you have not met Mia, she is just the sweetest, the heart of gold. Her whole family is here on both sides. Uh, her, her mom, Lily, is just just a gem, one of those ones that you can just tell loves Jesus and has invested her life into me by teaching her Jesus. Uh, her father, who passed away a few years ago, one of my best friends, Roland's, uh, Roland, one of my best memories, Roland's family is here, one of my best memories was at Roland's funeral and seeing Mia, uh, who at the time was, was, was what, like eight years old, seven years old or something like that, stand up and take the microphone and just talk about how Roland invested in her, taught her to know and love Jesus. And really, Lily, ever since she's been asked to be baptized. Uh, and we have all gotten to sit in a front row seat and see God move in her life as her faith has become her own. Uh, and so this is a decision that is by her, of her. And so her grandparents are here, Jima and Bubu, Grandma and Grandpa. And Jima is going to do the baptism tonight. Mia. Amen. Let's stand and worship together tonight.
this scripture together. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Take a moment.
darkness in your eyes and there's no question in your mind God Almighty God of mercy and there's no hiding from your face There's no striving in your grace, God of mercy, God Almighty. Let there be light, open the eyes of the blind, pure
Take a second and close your eyes in prayer. And is there any area right now where God's way is not happening in your life? And is there any area right now where you want to give thanks to God? for what he did both in and around you today. Would you take a second and give him that thanks? Father, help us see one another and ourselves as you see us tonight. Beloved children, Jesus, help us see you as you are right now tonight, our king and high priest. Spirit, give us an awareness of what the kingdom of God is up to both within and around us. It's in your beautiful name we pray, amen. Hi, my name is Colin. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with anger, anxiety, and control. And it's good to be here with you tonight. Hey, uh, if you have a Bible, I'll make it easy on you. Page one, which actually is probably just your table of contents. So go a little further from there and head over to Genesis chapter one. That's, that's where we'll be resting. We've been in a series. Uh, every, once we get a break, every once in a while, we've been doing Thy Kingdom Come and trying to see what is the kingdom of God up to in this world and how can we be a part of it. And our good friend and Scott Jones, one of our youth pastors the other night, introduced him as our resident uh, C.S. Lewis. Doug Rains, and he hates it that I'm saying that right now, but uh, he brilliantly said, hey, what if we took time and focused on the kingdom, but particularly on God's mission? What God's mission, what he's doing in this world, what he's doing with the people in this world. So Doug did an incredible job. Uh, one more back, the mission of God, Kelsey. Yeah, mission of God last week, we defined it, which we'll do again in a second. Tonight, we'll focus on the mission of God's people. Uh, next week, we'll really dive into the church and, and even what God is doing uh, with us in this room in Northwest Arkansas. And lastly, Mosaic on Mission, how we can have our eyes out as we launch this fall into community and into cell groups and into the full year as fall kind of settles in around us in Northwest Arkansas, how we as a body can join God and what he's up to in this world. And I love, love, love how Doug defined it last week, that God's mission could be summarized as this, that God has done, is doing, and will do everything necessary to complete his mission, rescuing, redeeming, and restoring. Hmm. This is what our God is up to. This is what the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit of light and love is doing in this broken, chaotic world. And his hope and his call 
is that you and I would join them on this mission. Um, I, I uh, wanted to take time to, to first and foremost start with uh, some conversation with one another. So look to the person to your right or your left, grab a buddy and say, hey, go ahead, talk. Think if it's your spouse or a roommate or a friend, I, I wanna encourage some conversation for a bit. And here's what I want you to do. Two really big, deep questions. You got about a minute. Have fun. Uh, identity. How would you describe yourself if asked, hey, who are you? What would you say? Secondly, here's a big one, especially if you're a millennial and you're having a little identity crisis like me. What would you say is your calling in life? What is God? He's, how have you been designed, equipped? You have a minute. Talk to your neighbor. Go. Y'all get some answers? Have some good conversation? A little bit? I saw some people didn't even, didn't even do it. They're like, you can't make me talk to anybody. I'm not gonna say, and that's okay. I, I, I hope you took time to think through it. That's fine. These are important questions, aren't they? I mean, these are significant, not just to, to how we live our lives, but even how we view ourselves. Identity, uh, understanding who you are, the way you think about yourself, but not only that, how other people view you, your, your calling, your gifts, your abilities, your skills, your talents, and how you use them in this life. That these, are, these are deep questions that matter, aren't they? And uh, it'd be interesting just if you were even to take this conversation outside these walls, some of the answers you would get. I mean, we are living in an incredibly divisive time, are we not? Where it seems like if you identify in this place or that place, ooh, we can't, we can't break bread. Where it feels like depending on what social media platform or news channel you're watching, there is like a lot of things happening that is dividing us and who we are and what we're supposed to do in this world. And as followers of Jesus, we always come back to what does God's word say? Jesus promises that God's word is truth and by it, we as his disciples are formed and transformed. So what I hope to do tonight is take you from Genesis to Revelation, <laughs> buckle up, and we're gonna look at how does God identify his people? And also, what is his calling? What does he call the people who are on his mission of redeeming and rescuing and restoring the world with him? What does he call them? Uh, and Tim Keller says it like this. I, I love this quote. That if anything threatens your identity, you will not just be anxious, but paralyzed with fear. Um, I've been walking this one lately. If you lose your identity through the failings of someone else, you will not just be resentful, but locked into bitterness, which is pretty incompatible with the way of Jesus. If you lose it through your own failings, uh-oh, you will hate or despise yourself as a failure as long as you live. Only if your identity is built on God 
and his love. Can you have a self that can venture anything or face anything? So what does an identity built on God's love look like? Genesis chapter one. If you'll look with me, starting in verse 26. And God said, let us make humankind in our image uh, after our own likeness. So they may, what's the word? Rule. Over the fish of the sea and of the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And notice, what is God's first interaction with humanity after he creates them? And God Bless them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. So first thing we can learn here is this is a God who desires to bless. This is a God who in his love and in his infinite wisdom and as he has created this place called Eden and and called it good, he has created image bearers. The, the Hebrew there is uh, Salem Elohim. And uh, sometimes we, we take that just to mean to be made in the likeness of God, but it's creating something else, an, an image, a portrait, as if you were to take a picture of yourself. That picture's not you, but it's a representation of you. Uh, another way to think of it is as rulers or kings, they would have statues, representations, Images they would place on where their kingdom was ruling. And so it is with humanity that we are made in the likeness of God and we are invited to image him, to represent him, and to join him as he takes his goodness and his love to the ends of the earth. And so our identity, just based off the first page of the biblical narrative, you have dignity, you have value that you have received, not earned that God has called you his image and invited you then to to join him in ruling. This is kingdom language. The the term is uh, rada, say rada. Nice, good job. Uh, It means to rule, to to join, to to come alongside and uh, to reign, actively partnering with God. And notice it doesn't start with ruling over one another. That actually comes later in the story, after the fall. There's this invitation that as God's image bearers, your identity, you are called to rule, to reign, to join him in ruling this earth. That's an anthropology. Yeah, That's a way to view humanity. And this isn't the only uh, one of the, the origin stories we have for humanity. Everyone has one. Ancient Near East, they would actually say that only kings were made of the image of God and everyone else was meant to be their slave. But there was something about this king uh, that, that was chosen. And not only that, if you were to look even at, at, uh, in Moses' day at Egypt, that they would see that there were certain gods that were to rule and mankind's purpose was only to serve God. It was to offer sacrifices and to serve. And Here comes the first page of Genesis 1 saying that God invites you and me to rule with him, to reign, to join him in this earth. It's subversive in our culture because um, oftentimes we we like to think of ourselves kind of like the Egyptians did, that, that our only purpose in life is just to be enslaved. 
And so it might be an idol of work or alcohol or addiction. Take your pick and, and we live our lives enslaved to it when actually God has designed you to have rule, to have authority in this creation, not to be enslaved to it. And so being a, a human being just by the first page of the Bible means you have incredible value to God. You're an image bearer, a gift that God has called uh, to bless this world. This has also been known as the cultural mandate, that God, uh, creation is what God makes of the world and culture is what we make of God's creation. So that we have been called as God's image bearers to take this material world and to make things with it, to make buildings and art and good coffee, amen? Good food, to raise children, to multiply, to fill this earth with other image bearers who can dwell in right relationship with God, right? Oh, the story is so good, but it, we know that it goes awry. Adam and Eve in that cultural mandate called to rule with God. Notice one of the first lies the enemy says in Genesis 3. God's afraid that you will become like him. Problem, you're already like God. You're made in his image. The enemy hasn't had to change his game up much, has he? Just takes a little lie for us to slide down out of the presence of God, out of his goodness. So uh, I, this cultural mandate has been given for every single human being, which means I would love it. Um, I would love it if, if you left this room tonight and saw yourself, whether it was your work, your parenting, how you drive your car, how you order coffee, whatever it is you're doing is an opportunity to rule and reign with God in this world. Uh, Nancy Percy, brilliant theologian, says, our calling is not just to go to heaven, which is good news, but it's also to cultivate the earth, not just to save souls, but also serve God through our work that Adam and Eve are, are called to work in the garden. It's not just like sipping drinks and chilling on the beach for eternity. That we're actually called to join him in what he's doing in this world. For God himself is engaged not only in the work of salvation, but also in the work of preserving and developing his creation, which means everything we do in this world matters. And when we obey the cultural mandate of joining God and ruling, we participate in the work of God himself. First thing, identity, image of God called to rule. We know that that doesn't go well. We know that man chooses to, to rule in his own way and it, it causes some pretty hectic uh, corruption in God's creation. But God still has a plan. So he goes to this man named Abram and says that through you, I'm going to build a holy nation. He blesses Abram and says that through you, you are going to be a blessing, that God continues to advance. What started in a garden is now beginning to encompass a people. And that people is Israel. Look with me in Exodus chapter 19. Uh, Moses has led Israel out of slavery to Egypt. They've come to what is known as Mount Sinai. God's presence is there and Moses is meeting with God face to face as one meets with a friend. So now it's, it's not Adam, but another man named Moses who's in the presence of God and is calling others to join in to what God's good purposes are in this world. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord God called to him from the mountain. 
Thus you will tell the house of Jacob and declare to the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I lifted you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And now if you diligently listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my special possession. You hear that identity statement? Is that how you woke up thinking about how God views you this morning? Out of all the nations, for all the earth is mine, and you will be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. The term priest is, uh, in Hebrew is Kohen. Uh, it's a term that, that represents uh, a priest was to mediate God's presence to the people they were serving. The whole role of a priest was to bless, was to serve. Those who came to them, they were to come and represent God in front of them. And so here Israel to all the nations was going to be a representative, not just of God's image as rulers in this world, but also as a kingdom of priests, those who would serve to do ministry. They would bless. The, the word Cohen actually comes from the root uh, of a base of something. So a base of a column is to support. So the priest's role in that society was to come alongside and be a foundation for the rest of the society to live. That there would be a sense of morality and relationship with God that the priest was to bring into that community. And Israel is called now to be a kingdom, royalty, ruling this world, taking the goodness of God out of priests, serving, blessing, to be a ministry to the world, joining God in his mission of recreating all things, renewing it. And if I, could, if I could do one thing at fellowship, it would be to cut the term full-time ministry out of our language. Because friend, what we're seeing God doing here is that he doesn't have ministry just reserved for someone on a platform teaching a Bible. Ministry doesn't just mean going and doing something that isn't raising my kids or working my job or mowing my lawn. No, these are opportunities to join God, to serve, to be a part of his kingdom work in this world. And as you know, Israel, they don't quite meet up to it. Uh, like the first Adam, they fall to other idols, they fall to other gods, and rather than representing and reflecting the image of God and serving the nations, they begin to bow down to their gods and begin to close off from God and others. And Isaiah, a prophet, comes to Israel, this, this kingdom of priests, those who are called to represent God to the nations. And he comes and he says that he has come to proclaim good news, to, to proclaim freedom. We even just sang some of them to open the eyes of the blind, that through, uh, um, through the Lord's favor, there will be those who will rebuild ancient ruins, take places long devastated. They'll renew cities, um, rebuild for generations. There will be a restor restoration that takes place and you will be called the priest of the Lord. Isaiah's foreshadowing that he's, God's mission is still not done with Israel. There's something, there's another one who's gonna come. You know what Jesus' first sermon was in the temple? Isaiah 61. But I have come claim freedom, to release the chains, to, to, to heal this world. And then he begins to call image bearers to join him. 
And we'll talk more about the, the Great Commission next week of what Jesus was up to with those disciples. But Jesus comes in, and from a manger in Bethlehem to an empty tomb right outside of Jerusalem. He perfectly lives out what was supposed to begin in a garden has now come to this city and he's partnering with God and inviting others, come join me as we take the goodness of God to the ends of the earth. And then we come to 1 Peter. And Peter is writing to a church that is persecuted. You have uh, Jewish, religious Jews who are coming at them saying that they need to return back to the temple in the old way, that this way of Jesus is not enough. And you also have intense persecution taking place from the Rome, uh, the Roman Empire around them. And you just imagine these these early Christians as they're sitting in their homes facing such persecution and Peter recalls to them all the way back the story of a, a king and a queen in a garden and a kingdom of priests at a mountain. And he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles in this world to keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against the soul and maintain good conduct among the non-Christians so, uh, so that though they now malign you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. A royal priesthood. Royalty, kings, queens called with God to rule in this world, to subdue it, to make it what God did in that garden. Let's take it to the ends of the earth. A priesthood, those who would mediate on God's behalf wherever they are. As my dear friend and good theologian Jerry Dudley says, the kingdoms that work wherever your feet are placed. As a representative of God, where you are, be it in the kitchen with the kids, be it in the car with just you and the person who cuts you off, be it at the workplace, the apartment, where you are is an opportunity to reflect God's image as an image bearer, to represent him and to serve and bless this world as a priesthood. But this is the calling of the church. And John continues in Revelation saying, at a vision of the throne room, singing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, they sing to Jesus, and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. See, from, from the Garden of Eden, it began with that call. God's people are on a mission. He creates human beings to rule and reign with him. And from there, he, he calls uh, the priesthood of Israel. Genesis chapter four, the rest of the Old Testament, the Israel, join me, represent me to this world. Take my goodness. And they can't quite get it. So then we have Jesus, our great high priest and king who brings the perfect sacrifice, a new covenant, an opportunity once again for humans to join God and his mission on this earth. And then we have the priesthood of the believers, that every single one of us as a follower of Jesus 
It's called a priest. We're called to serve and to bless, to spend time with God and to make him known in our world until his return and a new heavens and new earth. Genesis is revelation. We did okay. Three common things that you can see for God's people on God's mission. First is that there was a trusting of God. They had a faith with God. It was by grace through faith alone they were saved, that they trusted God, even when it didn't make sense. Just looking back on our Hebrew series in Hebrews chapter 11, where you had these heroes of the faith in the hall of fame of these men and women who, uh, whether it was in times of great success from a worldly standard or times of great failure from a worldly standard, their circumstances didn't dictate the triune God and they trusted him, that he was good and faithful. Secondly, they walked with God. Not just a a one-time, hey, good to see you on the weekend at church. No, it was a daily relationship with God. I love it that Jesus in his ministry, you could see it in these times where he is regularly taking time to go off to private places to pray and be with his father so that as he heads back to the street to minister and engage other image bearers, He does it from a posture of walking with God. It's why the apostle Paul tells us to pray without ceasing that every moment of our day we could spend in an awareness of what God is doing both in and around us. And lastly, that they bless their world. The people on God's mission, that we exist to bless the nations. So question, if you were were to ask a stranger what they think of a Christian, Is this how they would describe it? In our day and age where there's such division and we've been given an opportunity to join God in his good work, is is this the kind of church you wanna be known for? Those who trust God and, and walk by faith with him, those who daily live our lives aware of his presence and goodness and we don't keep it for ourselves but whether it's with the barista at the coffee shop, the waitress at the restaurant as we leave, the children who are are next door to us learning the way of Jesus, we exist to bless. C.E.S. Lewis said in one of his great sermons that there are no ordinary people, all image bearers, and you've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilization, these are mortal and their life is to ours, the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, (laughs) and exploit. I don't think I've ever said snub until this moment. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Which one will define our lives? C.S. Lewis continues and he says that there's those to whom we say to God, your will be done, or there's those who God says, your will be done. And he has called and invited you, whether that's in your workplace, maybe J.B. Hunt or at the restaurant or as the cashier or uh, as as a neighbor in your neighborhood. If you're a, a mom raising kiddos, a dad called, you've been entrusted. Those are fellow image bearers, friend. That every moment we have been invited to join God in his mission of seeing him renew this world, will you join him? 
Uh, a good friend of mine named Brandon Jennings is doing this brilliantly. He's, uh, he's using his gifts and his calling uh, to advance God's mission where he is. Come on up, Brandon. And uh, the reason I asked Brandon to share is because um, Brandon's doing ministry in a way that a lot of times we in the church world will not define it as ministry. But uh, Brandon's doing some pretty unique things with image bearers. Here you go, B. But uh, one of the first reasons I called Brandon up is because Brandon and Kelsey are about to have a little baby. And Brandon, tell us his name. Uh, Cohen, Cohen Walker Jennings. Cohen Walker Jennings. Isn't that a good name? Friends, what does the name Cohen mean? Priest. Why did y'all go with that name, Brandon? <clears throat> yeah, so um, a lifetime ago, back in YWAM, it was prophesied over me at a prophecy conference, Gifts of the Spirit, that I would be kind of the catalyst of change in my family. And um, that always kind of stuck with me. So I met Kelsey, and she didn't want kids. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, that is what it meant. Like, it would stop with me. Like, <laughs> I wasn't meant to have any kids. And um, then we got pregnant. And uh, back... October of 2020, yeah. and we uh, were very excited, and we lost a baby, mm. and um, and so I was like, "Yeah, that's it. Mm. I'm the last," you know. Um, and then in January, we found out that we were pregnant again, mm. and um, found out I was a little boy, and I just happened to like all the Coen Brothers movies. I don't know if you you guys have seen like. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, the Big Lebowski or whatever, but they're great storytellers, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I chose the name Cohen, and then I found out that meant high priest. So I'm like, wow. But I mean, it's spelled a little bit differently, you know? But, um, and then Walker, it just, one of my favorite photographers, Walker Evans, he was uh, a catalyst for change in the 20s of taking pictures of people that were um, marginalized. Mm. And he broke down the walls of color wow. and made fine art out of normal people. That, and back in the time, you know, it was like all Vogue and um, high fashion photography. And he's like, I'm going to go out into the Dust Bowl mm. in the Great Depression and photograph the, the migrant mother. Um, and so... Mm. I just found that really powerful, yeah. and um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to see where Cohen goes yeah. in this world. Oh, I love it. Notice, yeah. like, Cohen is not even here with us yet. I mean, he's with Kelsey in the back, but when he gets here, the identity that's already rooted in his name, a priest here to serve as a gift, and, and even Brandon and I had lunch, and he was saying that there's generational sin that he wants to see this thing stop so that Cohen can be a blessing and Walker to be able to, to take, I mean, all the way back to one of Brandon's heroes to take a gift like photography and use it to bring about kingdom change in the world, which you yourself kind of took to inspiration, yeah? Yeah, so um, back at the start of the pandemic, I lost my job and um, I was really depressed. I played a lot of video games. <laughs> <laughs> like, and Kelsey was like, okay, that's cool, you know, for a minute, but really you need to pick up your camera. Yeah. And, um, and get out and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I did, and I um, committed to taking photo, photo walks 
every day and um, around Springdale, Rogers, Bentonville. And um, challenged myself to walk down the same streets and find like something new and beautiful to photograph or what I thought was beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found over the year was that each time, not only did my photography get better, but I had a deeper appreciation for God and his gift that he's given me and the creation that he has so graciously put us here with, you know. Um, and so it it led to, okay, I'm, I'm growing in my photography. I, I think I want to reach out and maybe do a series. Mm. And the only thing I could think of um, was all the division that we were going through. Mm. And so I started taking pictures of people, like uh, portraits of people. And I started out with my grandfather. He's actually right back there. And he's going, hey, I've got his picture up. <laughs> but, um, and I, I just sat down and heard his story mm. and like took photos in the middle of the normal smiling looking at us, you know. Yeah. That's that's him <laughs> giving the tongue out. But um yeah, so I, I just sat with people and I hear their life, you know, their their joy, their sorrow, their everything. Mm. Everything in between. And um at the end of it, people are just like, wow, that that felt really good. Like, it's good to get this out. And, um, you know, it's biblical. Like, we're not supposed to be ashamed of our scars. We're, we're supposed to get them out into the light. Of, of course, in like a safe place. Don't, there, there's, there's a way to go about it that's safe. But once you feel that you're over it, it's okay to share. And maybe somebody else will see or hear your story and get something out of it, you know, yeah. like it, and it's all pointed back to God and everybody, like not everybody that I photograph is, um, is a believer. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I just wanted to, you know, bring people together and get a commonality mm-hmm. within everybody. Yeah, that's good. So Brandon said, if I could say one, I said, what do you want me not to do? He said, please don't let them clap for me. He doesn't want the applause because he's doing this to the glory of God. He's taking his gift and skills of photography and as a royal priest, calling other image bearers, restored or not yet, and is inviting them into the story and he's listening. And it's so cool that for years now, we'll be able to see with the work of Jesus in Brandon. So we're not gonna clap for Brandon, but we are gonna clap for Jesus and what he's done in Brandon. So can we give Jesus and Brandon a thank you? Yeah, dude, good job. And uh, one of the reasons I love it is that um, Brandon's not a full-time staff person here. Um, Brandon doesn't carry the name or title of pastor or anything like that. Brandon sees himself as a part of a greater story that God's called him to as a royal priest. And that everywhere he goes is an opportunity to take the goodness and love of God. And my question is, will you join him? So friend, uh, to, to, to land our plane tonight, just two things. Do you really believe you're a royal priesthood? It's in the scripture, God has called it to those who are, Following Jesus, you are a royal priesthood. Is this how you view yourself? And if not, I'd encourage you to take some time and maybe ask why. 
And, and secondly, how can you join God in blessing this world? Maybe in your home, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. That mosaic could be a church of royal priests who bless the cities in which we live and work and play. And I love that it's not just royal priest, it's actually a community, a royal priesthood. And here around August, this is the time we really start to launch into the fall and we really like for kids to get in school and for us to begin community and living life with one another. So I'd invite you, if you are not in community, if you don't have people that you're doing this life with, please, would you let us know? We'd love to connect you. Or maybe you have a few ideas of how we at Mosaic could do a better job of being royal priests to our cities, and you want to lead something. Again, we want to, Kelsey, will you go to that next one for me? We want to hear from you and invite you to join us. And so I'd invite you on this part of the website, if you're new or, or want to get connected, there's space for you too. If you're looking to join a group of royal priests in changing Northwest Arkansas, let us know. And if you have a way you would like to, to, to bring other people to join you, please, that, that's what we exist. It's called the priesthood of the believer. We want to equip and bless you as you equip and bless others. Friends, would you stand with me as we close? And as a royal priesthood, could we pray the prayer that Jesus invited us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Royal priesthood, we love you. You are dismissed. Grace and peace.